it's time for the Tom Sumner Program. The Tom Sumner Program is a live variety show with music, comedy and special guest interviews every Monday through Friday. The Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. Our theme music is Fruit of the Louvre, provided by Flint composer-producer Howard Eddy. Stay tuned, because it's on now. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. The Tom Sumner Program. Have you lost your job and your health care coverage due to COVID-19? You're not alone, and Genesee Health Plan can help. I called, and they provided health care enrollment over the phone with Medicaid, HealthCare.gov, and Genesee Health Plan. They made sure I had access to doctor visits, my prescriptions, and more. Getting health care coverage can be confusing. You don't have to do it alone. Get help with GHP. Call 844-232-7740 or go to GeneseeHealthPlan.org. We're in this together, and together we'll get right through now, it. the COVID-19 vaccine are available to millions of Americans and soon they will be available to everyone. This vaccine means hope. It will protect you and those you love from this dangerous and deadly disease. I want to go back to work and I want to be able to move around. To visit with Michelle's mom, to hug her and see her on her birthday. You know what I'm really looking forward to is going to opening day in Texas Rangers Stadium with a full stadium. We've lost enough people, and we've suffered enough damage. In order to get rid of this pandemic, it's important for our fellow citizens to get vaccinated. I'm getting vaccinated because we want this pandemic to end as soon as possible. So we urge you to get vaccinated when it's available to you. So roll up your sleeve and do your part. This is our shot. Now it's up to you. Hi, I'm U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow, and I'm listening to the Tom Sumner Show. Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome to the show. I'm Tom Sumner. we got a good one in store today. And uh, if you tuned in yesterday, we were a little late getting on the air. We did a remote from the new McCree Theater. We had our armchair politics roundtable on schedule. But the first hour was a little cobbled up. We got into the venue late, got on the air late, but... Uh, we uh, we managed to get through it, and we're back uh, back home for uh, today's edition of the Tom Sumner Program. Coming up in the third half of our three-hour tour, author J.M. Beach offers a twofer, talking about education reform in his books. Uh, he's got two out at the same time. Can we measure what matters? Why educational accountability? Uh, metrics lower student learning and uh, demoralize teachers and the other one is the myths of measurement and meritocracy why accountability metrics in higher education are unfair and increase inequality and Josh will be with me by phone to talk about those two books and uh, education reform and something a lot of people have been talking about we'll get into in the uh, middle of the show in the second hour I'll be talking with a former Hollywood filmmaker and award-winning author, Karu Papritz, who has some insight into the inner workings of film crews, and uh, we'll talk about that in while everyone is uh, talking about the uh, 
horrible shooting accident on the set of the uh, film Rust. And, but we're going to start out this morning. This is uh, this is fascinating. We're being offered uh, uh, an opportunity to um, hear a blueprint for rebalancing work and family from New York Times best-selling author Frank Schaefer, uh, as uh, laid out in his uh, book. Um, let's see if I get this title right. Fall in love, have children, stay put, save the planet, be happy. Um, Actually, sounds like more of a laundry list than, than a title, but uh, Frank joins me by phone. Hi, Frank. Welcome to the show. Hey, good morning, Tom. How are you? I'm doing fine. I hope you don't mind me teasing a little bit about the title. It's, um, no, it's good. You know, as the designer, uh, a very brilliant cover designer, made it like a series of post-it notes. And the only thing I told her is, hey, you've got to be able to read this off the book rack from across the store if you're in a bookstore so that it jumps out as a kind of a non-title. It is, uh, it is indeed a laundry list, but it does set the book up and gives me an opportunity to unpack these, these um, requests, if you want to put them that way, fall in love, have children, stay put, save the planet, be happy, one at a time. So it's kind of like a question comes from each of those pieces of the title, and so far people you know, smile when they see it. So that's a good sign. They know that I've done something a little weird there with the title, and, and it's working uh, in terms of drawing curiosity to the book. Well, we love weird here on the Tom Sumner program, so I hope you won't mind if I start in the middle. Um, stay put? The average American, <laughs> as I talk about in the book, uh, moves 11 times in their life, and ah. the number we move is for money, and the basic premise of my book is that we've got to redefine our idea of success. And if it's always about money, if it's always about power over other people, if it's always about career ambition, we're going to wind up joyless and unhappy. And the proof of this is that the more people move statistically over the years, it just keeps climbing and climbing and climbing, looking for child care or another job or whatever. The same statistics mirror image with studies on loneliness and separation and feeling alone and broken relationships. And so it all comes back down to community and caring for one another. And if your bottom line is just money and your job title, um, you're going to have a problem. And, of course, right now, if you look at the headlines in just about every newspaper or magazine in America, there's an article or a piece out today, yesterday, the day before, on what's called the great resignation, people either quitting their jobs or insisting on continuing to work from home after covid uh, lockdowns. And so, you know, my book, in a way, is about something that's already happening around us. I'm not making this up. People are not happy with their work-life balance, and they are resisting. And one of the problems is on the stay-put angle, um, you know, we move for jobs, whereas actually, if you want to be happy, you need community. And you can't put roots down and know the neighbor up the street or or the person on the floor where you live in your apartment building or have somebody nearby to help with kids, whatever it is, if you just always grab the most money you can make and move for jobs, there are other reasons for where you live besides economic. And, and, and sadly, we see everything through the eyes of corporate America, and it's just not working for people. I wonder to what degree uh, the U.S., uh, America, if you will, um, the history of of American manifest destiny and how much that's wired into the DNA of Americans as individuals. This sense that there you always have to 
go further, have more. I think you're absolutely right. But the, the thing is, Tom, you and I are living in a, in a day and age when we're running into the limits of that. I mean, put it metaphorically, we've hit the Pacific and there's still Hawaii out there to take. And after that, what? So, you know, really the quality of life is living within certain limits rather than having this fantasy that if you just keep moving partners or, or change lovers or adopt a new career, that somehow this is going to make things work out. We, I think, and the premise of my book is very simple, and that is basically your life is dictated by just one thing, how you define the word success, both personally and for your country. And if you define the word success by the quality of your relationships with the people from whom you receive care and to whom you give care, those closest to you that you love, whether that's a friend in the workplace, a partner in a gay partnership, a married person in a, in a traditional marriage. The, the point is, if that's how you define success, the quality of those relationships, you're going to have an entirely different life than if you define success simply by job title and material consumerist ambition. So we, we have fallen on the side of defining life by career and, and career title or position or power. And I think that COVID, in a weird way, the last two years, as this broke and we all had to shelter at home and so forth, kind of performed a vast social experiment, kind of like a memo from Mother Nature. And I'm not being facetious. I've had friends die of COVID. It's a tragedy. But the weird thing is, is to have written a book laying out a scenario that then Mother Nature turns around and enforced for a year and said, okay, you are going to stay home. You're not going to move. You are going to be with your family and spouse and or lover or children or those you work with uh, more or less, we're going to try to see what happens when you take a deep breath and everything stops. And, and, and so what's strange is that it's a five-year project, but it's come out at a time when it's almost as if there's been a vast experiment to see what happens when people do what I call for, which is to stay put more, to have more emphasis on relationships, less on career, and so forth. And if you look at the statistics now, uh, of the studies that are being done, for instance, in the male population, where 40% of men who stayed home more are saying they want to keep it that way, that they enjoyed a closer relationship with their children. They've discovered some of the pleasures of caregiving. Whatever else we can argue about the book or people think about what I've said, one thing is indisputable, and that is a lot of the ideas that are in my book have now been tried, and there's a lot of people voting with their feet, quitting jobs, renegotiating work conditions, Basically, that emphasized what I call for in the book, which is to put human relationships ahead of career. That in no way means it's an either-or situation. I mean, I've been caregiving for, two, for three of my five youngest grandchildren for the last 12 years, and I did that because I believe in women having careers. I'm helping my daughter-in-law. I'm helping my son. In no way am I saying, hey, give up on your career, stay home, but I'm saying let's, let's decide which end of the telescope we want to look through relationships first and careers about supporting those or relationships are sort of just an add-on and an afterthought and if you have time for one fine otherwise just make the money and power forward uh, and, and so i don't think it's an either or choice i think it's a question of priority you know it, it, the pandemic has changed so much for so many people and i wonder if People were having, do you think people were having similar conversations in the wake of the Spanish flu 100 years ago? Good question, and I don't have an answer to it, but I do know this. 
I'm not. I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to stump you, Frank. I, it just no, no, as you were talking fine. about that, I got thinking: is this something that's that's on a on a wave, or something maybe more evolutionary than that? I think it is evolutionary, and of course, the book has a lot of stuff about my my pleasure that I've taken in in, in caregiving to my my three youngest grandchildren. But it also is a pretty profound study of evolutionary biology and psychology and what actually makes us feel joy and happiness. And all the studies these days point to the fact that it's about the survival of the friendliest, that it really does take a village, not just to raise a family, but to be a human being. You know, if you go back to the hunter-gatherer period of human development, we did not survive because we are a bunch of loner, Ayn Randian individualists off doing cool things. We survived because we all had each other's back in whatever the little community was. You know, if you didn't share the food, the people around you died, and if they died, you did too. And childcare was the same. This was not a gender-specific orientation. All the studies of childcare now are pointing to the fact that men have the same hormonal changes in their brain, the same rush of oxytocin, et cetera, et cetera, as females do when they bond even with an adopted child or a reconstituted family after divorce and, and families merge. The, the, the trend right now in terms of studying our social interaction with people is that we are not we do not do well as hyper individualists we need each other and unfortunately the way our business lives are structured in our jobs up until covid have almost seemed to ignore this for instance i'll give you an example my daughter is a ceo of a company in new york city that that does investments in energy projects she talks about the fact that she's working with women who have delayed childbearing delayed childbearing because they're chasing career, and she was fortunate. She, she found a partner that she loved, and they married young. They had their kids, and then she went into a very intense business cycle. She talks about the fact that a lot of the women she works with hide their families because they're living in a, in a, in a corporate culture that says, look, women are a liability. They, they go off and do this inconvenient thing called having babies sometimes, and then it cuts into their career. And, of course, that bleeds into the whole paternity leave issue where where where. For instance, if a man takes paternity leave and then comes back to the job, people look at him as if he's not serious about his career. Now, COVID has changed that because in Zoom meetings and all these other things, we can't pretend we're not at home. We're at home where our toddlers live, where our dogs and cats live, where people walk through the background. So in a way, it's like the veil has been lifted on a whole part of our life we've been ignoring in favor of jobs for both males and females, non-binary people, whomever. So we're kind of in a new day, but to go back to the Spanish flu epidemic, I don't know about that, but I do know this, that if you look at the, the evolutionary history of the human race, you take something like the Black Death in Europe in the, in the 11th and 12th century, well, the Renaissance came out of that. There was a rethinking. You take wartime medicine that came out of World War I, and all of a sudden you had modern surgical practices that still impact us today in any ER you go into after a car crash. That doesn't mean the bad or hard or terrible thing was good, but it does mean that human beings are very creative, and we learn from situations. So I know one thing for certain, and that is that the only real tragedy that could come out of the COVID pandemic long term would be if we learn nothing from it. So Frank, if we just go back to Frank, as I usual, hate, we made I, a mistake. I, I hate to interrupt, but I have to take a short break here. I want to talk some more. Can you stick around and we'll talk some more about this? 
Absolutely, Tom. Sure. We'll be right back. everybody. It's me, Tigger. T-I-double-G-R. That spells Tigger. And don't forget to remember to listen to Tom Sumner program on account of because he's so bouncy. I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. Our lives have been turned upside down by COVID-19. When a vaccine becomes available, it's critical that all of us get it. What we do as individuals will impact everyone's health, including those who can't get the vaccine. We won't get through this unless everyone takes part. Now is the time to get up to date on all recommended vaccines for both kids and adults. Experts say it's more important than ever for everyone to get their flu vaccine this year. And if you're older, you should get both the flu and pneumonia vaccines, since both illnesses can make COVID-19 even worse. Vaccines are available at a lot of convenient places, so be an example for friends and loved ones and encourage them to get vaccinated too. We all want to reunite, travel, and get back to school and work. But that means we all need to get on board. This is the time to do what's right for each other. Get vaccinated. It's our best shot. Hey, this is Tom from the Tom Sumner Program. Catch me and a gaggle of great guests weekdays on Our Voices Radio, WFOVLP 92.1 FM. You never know who might drop by. Joe By from the Blue Lions. Dan Serling. Congressman Dan Kildee. Alexander Zondrick. Dr. Comedian Joe Napote. Woodrow Stanley. U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow. State Senator Jim Ananick. Comedian Brian McCree. The unknown comic. Mark Farner. And Tom, I want you to know Tom's my friend. You, you've always got great questions, and you know the material, and you, and you care about it, and it's, uh, it's, that's impressive. Nice to be with you, Tom. And I admire you for reading all of that. I haven't read the whole thing. I've got willing to admit that. <laughs> hey, Tom, this is my favorite interview all always. It's like having coffee at the kitchen table with you. Tune in Monday through Friday from 9 to 12 right here on 92.1 of a kind and check out our website at TomSumnerProgram.com MTA Flint is nationally recognized for continually seeking to provide sustainable, reliable, and cost-efficient transportation for individuals throughout the region. Through work-related and non-emergency medical transportation and your ride services, MTA is moving people with future and alternative fuel technologies. More information about MTA Flint and specialized services is available at mtaflint.org. Discoveries. They happen when we least expect them in places we thought we knew. And discoveries have a way of teaching us a little more about ourselves along the way. Welcome to Flint and Genesee County, where up north meets down south. Home to Michigan's largest county park system and a vibrant culture. A place filled with discoveries we've yet to make throughout acres of beautiful lakes, wetlands, and woods, and in the diverse city beyond. Where the uplifting melodies of gospel choirs fill the air. Where the work of renowned artists color the galleries and museums where the fresh fruits and vegetables at the downtown farmer's market awaken our senses. 
and where the cultural center and planetarium broaden our view of the world. Let's spend a few days enjoying the wonders of Flint and Genesee County, where the joy of discovery is pure Michigan. Your trip begins at michigan.org. This is Congressman Dan Kildee, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Hey, welcome back, everybody. We uh, continue my conversation with the author of Fall in Love, Have Children, Stay Put, Save the Planet, Be Happy, Frank Schaefer. Frank, welcome back. Thanks for sticking around. Sorry to make you sit through all that. Hey, you know what? I like listening to the commercials. It takes me somewhere else, you know, out of my out of my own head here. Just hey, <laughs> hearing all that stuff and all the little sound bites of people you've interviewed, it's, it's a pleasure. Well, Frank, we were uh, talking about comparatively... Uh, you know what life is like as as we come out of and and I say that optimistically um, the uh, COVID nineteen pandemic we were comparing it a little bit to what things might have been like in the uh, wake of the uh, oh the plague or uh, the the Spanish flu a hundred years ago um, but let's I, I want to flash forward a little bit i had you mentioned hearing sound bites of guests i had andrew yang on my show when he first announced he was running for president back in 2016 or maybe it was as early as 2015 and he had uh written a book and and i want to say the title was the war on normal but in any event it's where he first proposed his uh, universal basic income concept and talked about we were going to have to change the economy because as things move forward with technology things like uh, robots and artificial intelligence and so on we're going to replace certainly in manufacturing but we're even talking about the possibility of having uh, robot trucks that that move things around and putting truck drivers out of work at some point there won't be as many jobs as there are people and maybe we need to rethink the economy coming out of the COVID-19 pandemic and with what we've seen and how people are reacting is it is it time to start looking at it in a in a bigger way not just what we as individuals want to do in terms of working from home or spending more time with family uh, being a little bit more involved in our own communities than than putting work ahead of everything else um, is is this a time to to start investigating and and exploring how we might do things completely differently yeah, I mean, I think it goes back to this idea of priorities and how we define success. And what I mean by that is not just success personally, but what is a cult- what does a culture look like that is successful? You know, is it saturated with firearms and shootings and crime and people falling out of work because jobs are exported abroad and the kind of neoliberal idea of a world economy? Or is it a success when a young parent gets to stay home with a child after they're born on paid family leave? and establish a real relationship and a real bond that everybody who knows anything about education says is the base of a child's life, uh, having those attachments. You know, is it successful culture when we look around and, and there are not people who fall below a poverty line working three jobs for $12.30 an hour, but everybody has a baseline. So Andrew Yang had one idea on how to do this. Other people have others. But what amazes me is that 
so few of us seem to understand that there's a huge area in the middle where the left and the right, where your average Fox viewer, Republican voting uh, person is going to agree with the most progressive thinker. And it's a shame people don't point at this. And that is the quality of life we all really desire when you strip away the politics, you strip away the catchphrases, you strip away the political parties, and you get down to what makes most of us tick. And what makes most of us tick is not politics, it's not career, it's not the economy and sort of in capital letters, it's the quality of our own lives. It's the welcome you receive when you walk in the door from the person you're living with. It's the ability to sit down and feel a little more relaxed and not pressured financially all the time. So if our idea of success is the quality of life, rather than this kind of striving toward benchmarks, getting promoted to the CEO, earning a certain amount, this kind of thing, then we're going to develop a culture which is not defined by right or left, but defined by trying to in, enjoy each of us, the, the pleasure that we get out of our, the company with other humans, but also just the quality of our lives. So I think that if you look at American politics and the parties and the division between right and left, based on the fact that both liberals and Democrats and conservative Republicans, right-wing evangelical Christians, that's the background I come from and that I left and I talk about in the book of why I left that. But take that as a given. You know, what, what's amazing is that, for instance, if you take the teachings of Jesus on getting on with other people and you look at what evolution teaches, you can be an atheist and draw exactly the same conclusion about being your neighbor's keeper. So when are we going to get to political leadership that starts talking in terms of evolutionary reality and or morality, rather than just sort of this idea that somehow it's all just a question of budget and numbers and taxation and whether you're going to have a basic income or whatever. And if we could find people who stand up and address the idea of quality of life issues, closeness of parental relationships, grandparents living nearby to help with young children the way, say, I'm helping with my grandchildren now, the pleasure they get out of that, the studies that show that longevity of grandparents goes up exponentially depending on the amount of exposure they have to the child care that gives stimulation to the brain, physicality, and so forth. If we start looking at things in terms of quality of life, it really would change everything. And that's what my book is about. So I, I hope, and maybe forlornly and idealistically, that uh, you know a fox-watching evangelical parent of a couple children can read my book and disagree with some of it, and dislike the fact that I left my evangelical background and call me a heretic, but still come away saying, you know, Frank Schaefer's not a complete idiot because what he's talking about makes sense to me. And I think there are people on the progressive left, leaders in the feminist movement, uh, leaders in the, in, in, in the kind of woke culture, who if you dig a little deeper, are very dissatisfied with life simply in political terms. And they want also to talk about quality of life. And, and, and so I think it's, it's really time to, to get away from just the politicizing of everything and start talking about who are we as human beings. And evolution sends a very clear message. It's not about the survival of the fittest. It's always been about the survival of the friendliest. That's the only reason, Tom, you and I can even have this conversation. Because somewhere back in 10,000 years ago, both of us have ancestors who were taken care of, who survived. There are caregivers in our history. So whatever's happening next, it's going to depend on one thing, and that is that we see ourselves as caregivers and, and, and people who receive care or, or simply seek power over others. And I think that cuts across right and left. I think that can appeal to everybody. Well, and, you know, Frank, I, I was teasing you a little bit at the beginning of our conversation about how you went about doing something different with the title of your book and making it 
kind of a, a laundry list, fall in love, have children, stay put, save the planet, be happy. But I, and, and a lot of what we've been talking about is people deciding to make their own personal life better in terms of falling in love, having children, you know, staying put, being happy, and, you know, have, staying close to that, to that core um, yeah. of family and community. How did Save the Planet make the list? Well, Save the Planet makes it for a really good reason, and that is I'll, I'll, I'll give you a mental image, and, I, and, and you know, uh, I'm not kidding around here. If, if you want to save the planet and you're a new mom sitting on a beach breastfeeding your child, you're in a completely different kind of activity than the six guys out there on their jet skis burning up the fuel, trashing the environment, running over the back of a manatee, scoring his, his back while they don't pay attention to what's in the water under them. It isn't a question of being good, but it's a question of thinking, look, if life's all about the next cool thing, the next experience in an extreme sport, the faster car, the flashier this and that, you have a completely different impact on your planet than if you're concentrating on the people around you and your community. So it isn't a question of calling people to some higher moral calling. It's where do we find our, our lasting satisfaction? And we really have to grow out of this kind of adolescent stage of just burn up everything, trash the world around us, seeking experience. Um, we've got to get back into something deeper again and say, look, you know, our survival is not going to depend on everybody not owning anything or quitting using dishwashers or putting out different kinds of, you know, recyclable trash. It's a much bigger thing than that. And that is that if we're emphasizing community and family, then we are going to really treat the people around us differently. Look, I'm a grandparent. I'm pushing 70 here. And I do school pickups and was doing it before COVID and, and have done it again. I have a lot more in common with people a third of my age with young kids than I do with a lot of old white guys my age out there or black guys my age out there who are all into, uh, you know, something that doesn't, doesn't really connect them anymore to their community. I'm more connected to my community, and I care about the local public schools, the quality of education, the quality of life, because I'm a hands-on grandparent. So all I'm calling for in the book in terms of saving the planet is not some monster ecological program. I am calling for the fact that if we recalibrate our priorities in life and start to get pleasure out of the things nearest us, we are going to consume far less. We are not going to delude ourselves into thinking that that shiny new thing that we buy, whatever it happens to be, is where satisfaction lies. You know, satisfaction for me lies in the fact that with Nora, who's seven now, is the youngest of my little grandchildren, I pick her up every day from school, I bring her home, I cook her a snack, I read out loud to her, um, you know, we're not tearing around burning up the planet. And I'm consuming far less because of that, because I'm not looking for gratification to the next thing I order on Amazon. It's a question not of either or, but recalibration. That's all I'm talking about. It's a step process here. So I think Save the Planet comes very naturally with a community-oriented, child-centered, family-centered life rather than a consumerist-centered life that is all about the next big shiny thing you're going to buy. It's as simple as that, and, and, and that's all that my book's talking about. Well, and, and I, I wondered about that, and, and you put it brilliantly, um, that by doing these other things on the list, uh, falling in love, having children, staying put, being happy and you know centering your life more around love and family that just 
by virtue of not being out buying things, not commuting to work an hour away every day, and and some of those things that we've gotten in the habit of doing over the last 40 or 50 years, that it's better for the planet um, organically. I mean, it just yeah. it happens kind of on its own. Yeah, exactly. And and it's not even a question of saying, hey, you got to change your lifestyle, do more recycling. You don't but, have to join Greenpeace. <laughs> no, you don't have to do any of that. Because listen, I and I'm not I'm not being I'm not joking here. You know, if you're calibrated towards those relationships, I'll just give you one crazy, stupid little example. I have a little vegetable patch. Okay, I can honestly tell you, hand on heart, you can't see me, but I got my hand on my heart here, Tom that I get as much pleasure from watching Nora, age seven, pull up a carrot that she planted this spring, clean it off, peel it, cut it into little pieces, cook it and eat it, as I get from the most extraordinary trip I could take to Paris tomorrow morning. And I mean that honestly. And I think there's a lot of grandparents and parents who will agree. You know, my wife Jeannie had a heart attack two weeks ago and she's getting much better. She had a stent put in and she's fine. And I can honestly tell you that bringing her breakfast in the morning, some fruit cut up with her granola, and, and, and taking care of her while she recovers, this woman I've been with now for 52 years, that is as big a jolt to me emotionally as anything that I could even conceive of buying or doing. And if two lines were forming to get in Jeff Bezos's rocket and feel weightlessness for all of 30 seconds for $58 million or whatever he'd charge, and literally, the pleasure I get from seeing Jeannie smile at me as I hand her that tray, I'm not being Oprah-esque and maudlin or overly sentimental to tell you that this, this old guy pushing 70 gets more pleasure out of that. So now if you extrapolate that out and you think about a whole life to birth through death cycle of experiences that center on those sorts of things because you've got a little bit of, of space to step back and say what really matters to you, this is a life that is not going to consume the planet at the same rate as this sort of materialistic, you're only as good as your last job title, thrill-seeking, buying stuff all the time, looking in the wrong places for validation, consuming, streaming everything, you know, signing up to another 3,000 things you can stream from. You know, if you're looking for that, First of all, it's not going to work. You're going to get to my age and wonder, what the hell have I done with my life? Um, uh, you know, where, where, wh who are the people I'm close to that I'm going to receive care from, not just give care to? But secondly, it is consumeristic. It's, it's, you know, they talk about these container ships being stalled off our shores, so we're going to have less to buy for Christmas. Well, gee whiz, you know, that's not what Christmas is to me anyway now. Christmas to me is the gathering of a family, and it doesn't depend on having yet another flat screen something or rather sit you know to unwrap and i think there's a lot of people on the right and the left fox watchers and msnbc watchers that if you just dig under that little superficial layer of anger and and division could hear this message and that's my hope so i i just hope that in focusing on these very basic things we've got something here that maybe crosses what you might call party lines and really speaks to something basic that we all long for, and that's what I'm hoping people get out of my book. Frank, there's something about this I, I, I find especially fascinating, and that is whether or not this is a call to change expectations or if it is as, as simple as you say, as just 
simply accepting the humanity that, that is natural to us if we allow it. You know, I, I, again, this is, a, this is a cliche example, but honestly, if you wanted to design a society that trained people virtually from birth to throw out the candy and eat the wrapper every single time, this would be it. You know, we tell young people in college, don't fall in love now. You don't have time for that. Strive and excel at your studies and then go get a master's degree and then a Ph.D. And then maybe, you know, get online dating going and, and, and start texting people. And if you're lucky, you'll find a relationship that lasts. Oh, and by the way, delay having children. Don't pay any attention to the man behind the curtain as in the fertility cycle. Wait until you've got your career validated. And then maybe with in vitro fertilization and a and $180,000 investment in a fertility clinic, you'll manage at 48, 49, 50 years old to finally have that child. And then you wake up one morning like David Letterman, for instance, or, or Clooney or these other people, and they say, you know, they're pushing into their 60s saying, gee, I wish I had known when I was younger the pleasure I was going to have being a father. The simple things grab people and change them in ways that all the complicated stuff and the bells and whistles never do. Some of us find that younger, some older, some never. But when you look at the curve of what brings joy in life, you know, people are not on their deathbed saying, wow, you know, I only made vice president if only I had just, you know, worked a little harder and gotten that PhD, I could have been president of the company. No, they are, they are looking around to see the loving faces around them in which they see written the joy of a long-term relationship. And so, you know, if you're looking at the face of the people who love you and care for you, to whom you give care and receive care for your validation, you've got something there. If life boils down to a bunch of stuff and degrees and job titles, you don't have something there. And all the studies on loneliness today sort of bear this out. You know, why, the, why do we have, at the same moment, if you look at a graph, the stock market is hitting records, but also we're hitting records in the Cigna studies I cite in my book of people who are extremely lonely and isolated. And it's just not working out. And it's not because we live in an evil country. I don't think we do. It's not because people are horrible and they, belong, they vote for the wrong people. We're, we, all, we all are in the same boat here. It is because the, the definition of success in North America right now is related strictly to job title, income, power over others. And as long as we gear our whole life to that, we are going to be we are going to be paying a price. If we could just flip it and say career and job is all about one thing and only one thing, and that is to under undergird and to give a foundation to these other things that really matter, then maybe more people would do what I've been doing for the last twelve years. I'm not saying they gotta do what I'm doing personally, but just in terms of priorities. You know, I, I supplement my income by speaking on college campuses because of that's what authors do. Well, I canceled a whole bunch of that and said, okay, we're going we're gonna to downscale a little bit. We're going to start living on our Social Security. We're going to dip into some of our savings. Um, I'm going to take a lot less stuff. These grandchildren are going to be gone in 10 seconds. I know that from having been a parent. It goes by so fast. I'm not going to miss these little kid years the way I did with my own children. I'm going to do another bite of this apple. It's, it, it's paid huge emotional joy dividends that I can't even begin to quantify. And it's not all easy. I still get pissed off sometimes. I still shout at the kids sometimes. I still lose <laughs> my temper sometimes. But on the, on the main, I can tell you this. This is not something I'll ever regret. Whereas I look back at a lot of career stuff, and I, I don't even remember it. 
But I'm not sitting there saying, oh, wow, it makes me so happy that when my first novel came out, it got great reviews. I do not wake up in the morning thinking about that. I wake up in the morning thinking about the fact that I love that my little granddaughter, seven, seven-year-old granddaughter, Nora, is really getting into Alice in Wonderland. And I'm reading it to her every day, and she loves it. And she asks questions. There's so much more in that than any of the stuff that I do that's, you know, more high-powered in my past. So I'm just trying to pass a little of this on to people and say, hey, you know, take advantage of COVID. Don't waste this crisis. Don't waste the crisis. Take a deep breath and say, you know, what can we learn from this as we come out? Don't go back to the normal that was before. Let's let's have a new normal, and that's what I'm calling for. Well, Frank, this is fascinating. I just heard an interview with uh, Paul McCartney, who has turned 80, and yeah. just just within the last year or so, released an album of new music, uh, McCartney mm. 3, I think it's called. But during the interview... With all the stuff they could be talking about, it was amazing to me the number of times that Paul McCartney brought up his eight grandchildren. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's, that's where he's getting his joy with all of the things that he's done and all of the things that he could do. He keeps, you know, circling back to, you know, I have eight grandchildren and I spend time with the grands and... You know? Yeah, <laughs> and if you look, and if you look at a similar thing, I mean, an e- 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 even more quirky example: Howard Stern, the shock jock. Yeah, Howard Stern goes on this new program with David Letterman, conversations with David Letterman, whatever it's called, and he sits there, and two thirds of that program—I'm not kidding you—if you ever, you know, want to look at it—is Howard Stern and Letterman comparing notes on how they completely screwed their lives up being television and radio personality stars that if they could only go back and know what they now know, Letterman saying it's all about fatherhood and a relationship and, and you know, repenting of the adultery and the affair he had and his, his wife still sticking with him and the gift of her forgiveness, you would think that it's a couple of old monks talking about, you know, <laughs> an, an ethical life. I mean, this is Howard Stern saying, I don't know who that idiot was, but of course my marriage broke up. I was a fool. I was putting all the wrong things first. So... You know, if Howard Stern, George Clooney, and David Letterman can get together and all they want to talk about is the joy they're getting out of parenting, you know something's going on here. And it has nothing to do with Frank Schaefer and a new book. It just has to do with with people really taking a hard look at our materialistic consumerist culture and saying, no, it wasn't about that. Um, It was about something else. So I'm not telling people not to have careers and not to be successful. Look, I put my money where my mouth is. My, my, my daughter-in-law has a wonderful career running a school, uh, and she does that because every morning she knows her children are being cared for by a very loving grandfather. This, is a, this isn't some newfangled thing. I grew up in a farming community in Switzerland. When you looked out at the, at the hills in the morning when they were bringing in the hay in July on the second cutting after the spring, who, you know, sitting in the shade with a grandparent, toddlers were roaming around, the wife and the husband and the young, older kids were out raking the hay and, and loading it on a horse cart. The norm for human existence has not been, hey, live in a retirement community and nobody can live there who's, uh, you know, over under 55. Kids are in some toddler daycare center. Parents are at work. The father is, has a more high-powered career than the, the woman. You know, women are trying to play catch-up by asking to get into the men's universe of of employment without making any changes to it and demanding real parity and equality, which would include things like my daughter asks about, like not having to lie because you're doing a, a kid pickup 
at a school and pretending you're in the office. You know, we got to rip the veil back and say, what's really going on here? That's what I'm talking about. And I think Frank, if we really want joy in life, it has to be a, a much, much more complete life that takes into account what human beings need, not just pawns of industry. Frank, I've got to take another break here. Can you stick around so we can wrap it up? Yeah, absolutely. Be glad to. All right. My guest is Frank Schaefer, and we'll be back with more right Hi, after this. Hi, this is Joe Bye from the Blue Lions, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. While we've been staying safe at home, scientists have been on a journey. The destination, a COVID-19 vaccine. This journey began decades ago with research into other coronaviruses. Scientists built from there with months of research and development, cooperation with other experts worldwide, and clinical trials on tens of thousands of volunteers of diverse race, age, and health status. They arrived at a safe, effective vaccine and hundreds of thousands in Michigan have already been vaccinated. But the next step is ours. We need to get the vaccine when we can, keep wearing masks correctly, and taking precautions until we reach our destination, freedom from COVID-19, and getting back to the lives we love. Discover the facts for yourself at michigan.gov slash COVID vaccine. A message from the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services. Start your weekend early with the Tom Sumner Program every Friday live at 11. We turn the spotlight on the world of arts and entertainment featuring artists from music, TV, and the movies. Catch everything from the rich local talent pool in and around Flint and Genesee County to up-and-coming stars of stage and screen, plus legends from New York and Hollywood. Hi, this is Greg Nagy. Hey, this is Hoppa. Hi, this is Joe Bye from the Blue Lions. Hi, this is Alexander Zonjic. Hi, this is Mark Farner. This is Maurice Davis. Hi, this is... This is Rochelle Ray. Hi there, folks. This is Sweet Willie T. Hey, this is Steve from the Nashville office. I'm Gwen Pennyman Hemphill. Start your weekend right. Go to 11 Fridays on the Tom Sumner Program. Those hands, no matter whose they are, can spread the germs of many common diseases. That's why I want you to realize how important it is to keep hands clean, to wash them regularly and always before meals with Life Boy, which not only removes dirt, but helps to remove germs. Teach the children this habit. Form it yourself. Always use Life Boy for hands and face as well as the bath. America, your children have an amazing superpower. That's right. They can help save lives by simply washing their hands. Just 20 seconds of thorough hand washing after they've coughed or sneezed or been outside can help fight against the dastardly spread of germs. Armed with only soap and water and hands, your superhero can protect you, your family, and everyone out there in America land. Amazing! Find out more at coronavirus.gov. A message from the CDC and the Ad Council. Imagine a journey down a picturesque river. Imagine your Flint River, 142 miles of recreation, natural beauty, and precious resources. The Flint River is a vital resource that is available for all to use and enjoy. 
The river and its ecosystem provide unlimited recreational opportunities and natural beauty while supporting wildlife in a vibrant landscape. We all have a responsibility to protect and preserve this precious resource. Learn more at FlintRiver.org or call the Flint River Watershed Coalition at 810-767-6490. The Tom Summer Program.com Hey, this is First Ward City Councilman Eric Mays, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. And welcome back, everybody. We're going to go into overtime a little bit with uh, my guest, Frank Schaefer, author of uh, Fall in Love, Have Children, Stay Put, Save the Planet, Be Happy. Frank, welcome back. Thanks for sticking around. Hey, my pleasure. Um, Frank, I, I always ask guests um, where, you know, even though we've, uh, you know, we're burning up an hour of radio time, but... Um, we're barely scratching the surface of some things that people might want to uh, realize from your book and, and maybe from some of your other writing as well. So I always ask guests where they can learn more about you and your work, past, present, and future. Do you have a website? Yeah, uh, I do, and I also have a podcast in conversation with Frank Schaefer, so that's wherever podcasts are, and I talk to a lot of interesting guests like you do, Tom. In fact, Tom, I should interview you. Do you ever go on people's podcasts? I, you know, I have. I, I don't as a rule because I'm a terrible guest. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I have on occasion. Well, maybe you'll get an invitation from Ernie who helps me produce it sometime. If it comes out of the blue, say yes to this one because I'd love to talk to you about your experiences in radio and just how all that's changed and we can have a conversation about that. So, yeah, my podcast in conversation with Frank Schaefer, um, frankschaefer.com, and then, of course, I'm on Facebook. You can look me, look up my, my post there and, and Twitter as well. And then if people read my book and have questions, they can just simply email me, and I'm not uh, scared about that. I give out my email address. It's Frank A. Schaefer, all one word, at AOL.com, F-R-A-N-K-A-S-C-H-A-E-F-F-E-R at AOL. Uh, I, I keep a Gmail account, too, for business and the AOL personal. If you just put on the subject line that you heard me on Tom Summer and you want to talk about the book or you have a book club, and that could be you and your mother-in-law, I will do it. No charge involved. I love to talk to people about my, my project. Um, just just very quickly as we wrap things up, Frank, um, what are some do's and don'ts for people that you're hoping they'll get out of this uh, book? You know, the most basic is, is don't define yourself by your career title and stop defining other people by career titles. Don't, you know, I, everybody always asks, well, what do you do? And, of course, we all know, Tom, what they mean by that. You know, you do radio and I write books. Next time, give them an honest answer. You know, I love my wife. Um, I'm fighting with my children. Uh, you know, I, I take care of my grandchildren. What you do, who you really are, is nothing to do with your job. And so stop defining yourself by that. And then the second thing is, Really try to decide whether you define life by an idea of success that makes other people a lot of money and some of them billionaires, but doesn't leave you with much, or whether you define your idea of success by the richness of the experience that you have in connecting with other people. And don't let all the stuff get in the way. Obviously, we all need to earn a living. But after we do that, joy is not found in just making more all the time. And 
you know, when you look at our billionaires as role models, I'm sorry to say this, but a lot of them seem to me to be sociopaths. They don't seem to care about anything <laughs> around except themselves. You know, these are not happy people. I don't think there's much joy in 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 simply, you know, that that kind of lifestyle. I think think how much more joy there would be for a guy like Jeff Bezos if everybody who worked for Amazon, you know, if you interviewed them at random, they said, "Listen, you know, I've got these benefits." Uh, the union was organized by the man who owns the company. I'm making $33 an hour of starting pay with full medical. Uh, what a wonderful man to have a company that is making so much less money so we can all have a more complete life. He mandates a year of, of leave for anybody that has a child. You come back and start in the same position you were before. This would be possible. And it would be possible if we didn't have a bunch of sociopaths running our biggest industries who don't seem to care. Uh, we could reconstruct our culture if we really started putting people first. It would be a very different society. It wouldn't be socialist. It wouldn't be capitalist. It would be people-oriented, and we'd do what's necessary. So the one thing we can all do is really discipline ourselves in one area, and that is quit defining success for ourselves and for our children by always pushing for the highest-paid job and the sexiest career where the most degrees from a university and really start saying, you know, what is going to lead to a quality of life where I can have some quiet time with people I love, be cared for, and give caring love to them, judge ourselves by what we see written in the eyes of the people who love us and know us best. That's the only real accurate mirror. It isn't, it isn't the size of your paycheck. So we all know people who are wonderful relationships and earn less, and some of the rich, richer folks we know aren't, aren't, aren't like that. It's not a, a given. You know, start living according to those qualities. That's what we can do. And you will find, I think, that most of us will live lives that are much more saturated with joy when we stop trying to imagine ourselves as billionaires and instead start imagining yourself as a, as a, as a friend, as a lover, as a partner, as a parent, as a grandparent. Look for satisfaction in those relationships. It has nothing to do with being pair-bonded or having children. You know, my son Francis is 50 years old. He's a teacher. He's single. He doesn't have kids. And yet there are thousands of kids in this world who are happier people because he cooked them lunch when he was tutoring them in math and science. Their parents come up to me with tears in their eyes and they say, your son changed my son, my son or my daughter's life. He took the time with them. So yeah, he is a parent. He just doesn't have biological children. So when I talk about caregiving, I'm not talking about everybody has to be an old white guy with grandchildren like me. There are other <laughs> roads. To it's a question of, of priorities, Tom, and not uh, you know, specifics. So I just say, everybody, redefine what you mean by success for yourself and the culture around you, and we can start to change things. Well, certainly food for thought uh, from a new book by Frank Schaefer, Fall in Love, Have Children, Stay Put, Save the Planet, Be Happy. Uh, definitely food for thought as we transition from lives uh, sort of run by a pandemic and... Um, contemplate what a new normal might look like. Frank, thanks for spending this hour with me, and keep up the good work. Hey, Tom, it's been a real pleasure, and I am going to, I am going to go after you to be, to be a, <laughs> a podcast guest. You might say you're not a good guest, but I, I hear a lot of living in that voice of yours, and I would love to delve in more to who you are and not talk about me so much. Well, thanks, thanks Frank, and, uh, and I look forward to it. That would be great. I'll be coming after you. Thank you. Take care. That was Frank Schaefer, author of Fall in Love, Have Children, Stay Put, Save the Planet, Be Happy. We're going to take a short break, but lots more of the Tom Sumner program straight ahead.
two pilots get off of my lawn. We're trying to do a radio show down here. It's a Tom Sumner program, don't you know? Go on. Go on, get out of here.